and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. Today, we're chatting to Python Statovci, author of My Cat Yugoslavia, about coming up with a truly novel novel idea, symbolism in fiction and not writing to routine. When people ask my name, I sometimes give them an honest answer, but just as often I say it's Michael or John, Albert or Henry, because that way I avoid the next question, which is, where are you from? I always wonder why people want to know that. Are they asking me because they are genuinely interested in my home country or in order to make judgments about me? Because it's one thing to tell someone you are Swedish, German or English, and quite another thing to say you are Turkish or Iranian. It's only very rarely that someone's home country is of no significance at all. When I invite people to my apartment, they generally accept, because they are fascinated by the fact that I own a snake. They take off their shoes, step inside, and see the terrarium with no snake inside it. Oh. When I tell them it's probably under the sofa, they stop at the living room door and ask why I decided to have an animal like this as a pet. Before answering, I always have to correct them. This isn't any old snake, this is a boa constrictor. On a few occasions, I've told them the truth and said, I don't know because I'm actually afraid of snakes. Still, most of the time I simply say that I got it because I know a lot about snakes, because they are calm creatures, suitably independent and don't need much looking after. A snake is the perfect pet for someone living alone. When I start pulling it out from under the sofa, my guests suddenly need to go to the toilet. And when they come back, they have to leave. They back off and start putting on their coats. It's too big and terrifying as I wrap the length of its body round my shoulders, and its skin isn't slimy as they'd thought, but dry like soft plastic, like shining silicone. A giant thing like that, wow, they gasp as they open the door. Aren't you afraid? What if it gets into the toilet and slithers down the drain? They close the door after them, and I wonder why they ask things like that about the snake. It could just as well learn to moisten its skin in the toilet and slither out again, or learn to do its business there just like everybody else. Is it really the case, I wonder, as I stroke its coarse head, that people expect the worst of it simply because it happens to be a snake? Hello, Python, and welcome to the Ref Raff podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so just to kick off, your debut novel, My Cat Yugoslavia. For those who haven't read it, could you tell us a little bit about what it is about? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a novel. It's my, my first novel. And uh, it was originally published in Finland in 2014. And it got translated in, in English this year. So uh, yeah, it's a story about uh, this this family who migrates from from the former Yugoslavia to Finland, and uh, the narrators are a mother and a son. And the story of the mother follows the life of Emine, who gets married to this man she doesn't doesn't know before, and uh, and then uh, they kind of like live through the the turmoil of the the country in disintegration. And then the other storyline is a bit more fantastic or <laughs> yeah. a bit more magical so it tells a story about the family's youngest son 
Bekim, who grows up in 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 Finland and and meets this talking cat in a <laughs> gay bar, and uh, the cat turns to be a a bigot in a way, and uh, they still have this relationship with the protagonist, even though he is a a gay man and an immigrant, and uh, the cat says stuff like, "I don't like gay people and I hate immigrants," so. Yeah, it's a complex. It's a com. It's a complex narrative. But actually, once you start reading it, it does all fall into place. Absolutely, it's so, it's so enjoyable. So you you said about um, how one of the main characters is a cat, and his, his name is Yugoslavia. Is he? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's ambiguous. Yeah. I mean, it can be the cat can be called Yugoslavia, yeah. but then, then, then yeah. But in the Finnish title, it's it's a bit different because. My cat, my cat Yugoslavia, translated into Finnish, can mean a cat called Yugoslavia, or Yugoslavia that is owned by the cat. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um. So, can you? Um. Obviously, it's quite a unique concept. <laughs> and um. So, can you let us in a little bit on your creative process, like how you came up with the idea? Well, um, I think I came with the idea through like growing up as an immigrant in in Finland and I always felt like uh, I was seen like automatically less fortunate because of my background and because we fled Kosovo with my family at a really young age and I felt like uh, like they're like you know I wasn't seen the same way as my Swedish speaking peers I was seen as a member of a of a world in ruins and or like a you know, because there was a war in my home country and I felt like the, de- the the media kept demonizing the place I came from by always writing about the negative stuff that was happening in my home country. And uh, and it's actually happening today, too, like with the situation in the in the in many parts of the world, we yeah, keep yeah. associating like this this horrible thing that is happening to like natural disasters and catastrophes and associating lives of people into something negative yeah. by calling it a ref- like an influx of refugees or a tsunami of incomers you yeah. know but then i felt like but then if something like this would happen in 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 europe or in the western world nobody would say that that there's an the, a volcano of people erupting yeah, <laughs> and coming yeah, yeah. to your country you know but uh but yeah so so that created a lot of like shame for me also and uh and then um as a as I grew up, I uh, realized that I was suffering from like internalized racism myself too, and so I wanted to create a character like my protagonist who allows other people, such as the cat, to treat him in a really disgusting and violent way because he thinks that uh, that's what he deserves in the world, and 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 so. Yeah. This is the this idea. This is the end yeah. product. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you've kind of been thinking about writing it for since, you, since you've been growing yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, you? yeah. But this is, was my first attempt to write fiction. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't written anything before this. But then I'm, I've always read books and consumed fiction in every single single format. So, And I had the idea of this book in my mind for, for many, many years before I started writing it. So... And how how come you chose how come you chose a cat to kind of like um, embody that sort of that dialogue of the of his kind of like internalized issues kind of thing like how did, how come you chose the cat I mean it's it's, it's fun like sometimes I found I found myself really laughing like yeah. just the descriptions of yeah. how the cat moves and everything like that like I, 
love how he is and so when he's singing at the beginning that <laughs> cracked me up yeah i just you can visually you can visualize it it's so great so yeah how come you chose a cat just love cats well i was uh, i came across to this uh field of study called animal studies which basically tries to locate how animals are stolen of their right of representation in 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 our culture because we always like for example animals that are that are written in in books for example we always interpret them as symbols of us or human characteristics and uh so in a way they get the, they don't have the right to represent themselves because we keep talking about them through human language mm-hmm. with other human beings so so and basically in in they can be seen as as others in the same way as ethnic or sexual minorities but of course they can defend themselves in the same way in a language that that is like approachable to us so i got like infatuated by the the, the whole setting of this study of how animals are like cultural symbols and used in war propaganda for example and then the whole idea of of me not being seen as equal to my peers for example uh, was linked to to what the study stated about animals like it's a different thing to say some somebody that you are from germany or from the united kingdom than to tell someone you come from somalia or mm-hmm. iraq or kosovo so uh whereas for example cats are seen in finland as domesticated animals whereas in kosovo they are seen as as dirty so i thought there was a, like an analog between like animal symbols and how how we treat other people and how we treat animals so mm. So it was a conscious dec- decision for me to use all kinds of cats because there are many cats in the yeah, book yeah. not every every cat talks in the book so I wanted to explore the 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 whole idea of otherness with with different animal symbols yeah. and use them as like to add another layer yes. to an already yeah. layered book yeah. in so many ways but, it's so great because we were going to ask you whether you felt that the cat, the the main cat, Yugoslavia. That's what you yeah. call him. Whether you felt that he was a character in his own right, or he was a symbol, but it sounds like he's both. Exactly, and I've written the book in a, in such way that I hope that it allows like different kinds of uh, modes of approaches, and and uh, diff- you can make all sorts of interpretations. And my intentions don't matter at that point when the reader like forms his or her's own idea of the story and what these animals symbolize because i i tend to not explain anything because i just don't i feel like i'm i'm watering my own work you know yeah. it's it's yeah how would yeah. how would you so when people when people are trying to make their work as kind of leaving so much up to the reader's interpretation you know which is which is what's so great about books isn't it you know like you can see it in the exact way that you want to see it, which is what's so wonderful. How, how, what sort of tips would you give for people that kind of want to write that? Like, just is there anything specific I, I you'd recommend just, for for someone who who is starting to write? I would just advise them to to just sit down and and get crazy, basically, <laughs> because sit because, down and get crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I like it's it. fiction. Like, it you can write about anything, and you can make everything possible. You can write about. Uh, Ukrainian tree that grows wings and flies to the moon and talks and there's like no limitations and that's why I love fiction and when I when I started writing this book I I knew immediately that it it will be like a like a magical story and uh yeah and it, and it is and yeah. how long did it take you to actually write uh it took me 4 years altogether 
Uh, in Finland, we don't. Have, the whole publishing industry works in a rather different way. Uh, I was working at a grocery store while while studying comparative literature at the university when I when I started writing this book. I mean, j- just just one day while I was like piling stuff <laughs> on the shelves of the store, I was I was like, "What am I waiting for? Like, why am I not doing what I want today?" And and uh, what's stopping me from starting? the minute I get home so I just got like frustrated with myself because <laughs> I guess I wasn't happy with my job at the at the supermarket so I came home and started writing the first chapters of, of this book and then a year and a half later um, I sent it to to the biggest publishers in, in Finland because in Finland we do that the people who have there are no agents there, there is now but back then it, they people would would send the manuscripts right to the publishers and then went to bed and just forgot about the whole thing and because I was prepared to wait for like six or 12 months for an answer because that's the usual time and then to my surprise they called me like the next afternoon and I was like (laughs) what's happening I guess I guess these things happen sometimes so well I think you know when you have when you've written a book as interesting as unique as yours I think I can see why they put it the And what did they say? <laughs> I mean, they said that uh, it was a different publisher than than I went with, like later on. So they said that we've been reading your book the whole morning, and I was like, "Dude, I just sent it to you like two a.m. <laughs> like, when did you read it? Because it was a, it was a lot longer, like in the beginning. So mm-hmm. so then when I when I went with my publisher, now we started like the editing process, and it it took me like two and a half more more years. Until yeah, with working with the publisher and my editor, and then then, so it was four years altogether from the. And how did you find the editing process? Uh, there were it was really interesting. I mean, they yeah, I I'm really happy with the with my editor and and she's really really great and we have a really good relationship. So everything they said about the manuscript and what should I do with it, I agreed. But then, if I felt really strongly about something they were really understanding so yeah yeah and it, it, it it's it obviously it's published in english now but yes. it's the translation what yes. was it originally written then in finnish in finnish yes and how have you found the translation process have you read it in english because your english is pretty i mean it's better than my finnish yeah i mean it's a yeah it's it's a translated book so what was the question again? I so, forgot. I don't think I actually Sorry. asked one. Um, in the end, um, how have you read it in English? Yeah, yeah, I, I read it, read it, and, uh, and and how have you found the translation process? If you, it, does it does it captivate what you were trying to convey when it's yeah, I mean, in other languages? I'm really happy with the translation, but then uh, I wouldn't know how to. I don't know if I would be the best person to to judge the translation because English is not my my mother tongue, nor is it my the language I write or work in. So I basically, for the most part, I just trusted the translators and the the, the publishers in the English-speaking world, yeah. and what they saw was best for the book. And I just basically agreed. There was a couple of smaller sections I wanted to put more words in, just so that it would remind, just that it would be more similar to the original text. But yeah, but not yeah, yeah. And it's it's weird because also like. I don't like reading my own work and in Finland when I we do interviews and and it's usually just the writer and someone talking on stage or 
or we, we don't read like our our books in front of an audience mm-hmm. and that would make me so uncomfortable because <laughs> because i i don't like going back to my to my old writing because i'm so afraid that i will find something that i want to change and i'm like i'm like yeah, like, <laughs> we like had, we, cursing to my editor. Why did you let me do this? We had, <laughs> one, like, we had one author, Simon James Green, who said he wished he could get a bottle of Tipex. I don't know if you're familiar with Tipex, and, yeah. and we'll go around bookstores and just yeah. make amends yeah. to all the copies <laughs> yeah. that he could find. Yeah, but I mean, reading the English version is—I found it a lot easier because when I've been traveling with the book. I've had had to read the. Yeah. Like, Sorry, we are going to ask you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to do that. So, Sorry. So, oh shit. So, but it's, it's easier because because it's not the original text. So yeah. I can pretend, you know, it's it's not me. It's someone it's, it's else's a translator. Thing. So I don't have the need to like correct myself when I when I'm reading the translation. Yeah. Maybe mm. it's because of this re- reason. Yeah. I'm so lucky to be writing in Finnish. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it's just so interesting. You've written a book about what it feels like to be not rep- represented properly within culture and within you know as where am I going with this <laughs> it's the book covers so many topics of being kind of misinterpreted and so it's just such an in- and, and cultural bias and things like that and so it's just really interesting that then then you have to go through the translation process as well and that sort of your your each culture is you know in each country is giving it reading it with its own perspective. I think that's where I yeah. was trying to go. Yeah. And again, yeah. no question there. Just, yeah. just yeah. general musings. Like okay. yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm accustomed to all kinds of questions. You know, when you are giving interviews, sometimes sometimes they don't ask you anything. They just like give you, they say something like, which sounds like an essay subject. You know, they have the microphone and they say, nationality and shame. And then they give go. the microphone to you and I'm like, is there a question somewhere? Oh my god, <laughs> so, that's what we should do. It'd be just, a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> just list the main the main topics. Sounds like my old therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother, go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned that a lot of this is like you left Kosovo yourself yeah. when you were two, removed with your family and everything, and um, and it seems that quite a lot of your own journey is in this book. Um, do you, do you think that tends to be the way that debut authors kind of? get into the market because they're writing about something that applies to them they know it's true they know it it's sort of in a way like teaches you how to write because you know that you're writing an experience that you can convey honestly do you think that's i mean yeah i i definitely make use of some autobiographical elements but but this book is a work of fiction from start to finish and and uh and it has been a bit surprising to me how how it has been perceived you know but i knew knew that it w- would be perceived as an as an autobiographical novel because it's my first one and as a student of literature i knew how how like debut novels are usually you know viewed like that. read and and yeah. viewed so and is that a thing it, they're viewed as kind of a lot of them are viewed as yeah like, yeah but, but the, yeah but then then uh then i mean it's it's not, and and it was really surprising to me to publish this. I have so many like anecdotes and stories about this subject. So, for example, one time I I gave an interview to a magazine in Finland, and then they took some pictures of me uh, while we were doing doing the interview. And then the next day, uh, the ph- photographer called me and uh, and uh, said that uh, well we're we're not really happy with the pictures we took. Would would it be fine to take new ones? And it was like the middle of august and it was a really hot summer in in finland or a hot period of time in august and then he asked me that 
that, you know, since it's a, such a warm, warm day out, would it be impossible to come out with your pet boa so that we can, like, take a picture with you and, and your snake? Oh, wow. And I was like, I've never had a pet in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it was so surprising to me that, that, that he would have read the book in, in, in that way, or maybe he didn't read it, but I mean, it's... Uh, well, that, it's, that's the thing, isn't it? I think yeah, sometimes... He just assumed just that assumed. I... Yeah. yeah. yeah and I'm like, that I have a talking cat we should just, in my, we should just in my point apartment. Out that yeah. there is a, a boa constrictor in the book. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. forgot Otherwise, to mention that. Yeah. Just a photographer asking you to come outside yeah. with your snake. Yeah. I think. I mean, that's, that's a whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds... Kind of photographer yeah. <laughs> 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 but, that is, but then that maybe that shows that you're really doing a great job with producing these cat this character and because because of the fact that people will find it so believable maybe i mean i know it's kind of a bit of a you know one side of it you know could be good could be construed as bad but like it's kind of you know it's maybe that's just you've created such a believable world yeah that people think uh, that you're gonna yeah. bring the cat out too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i said that's right i was like we're, i kind of want to meet the cat we're sad the cat's yeah. not here oh, yeah. Yeah. he's not here yeah, yeah. <laughs> down next time um and what does um he represent to you, Yugoslavia, because obviously you, you mentioned that he's, you described him as a bigot, yeah. and he's, he, he's, as Amy said, it's quite a funny character, and and it's obviously, it's it serves a real purpose in the book as well, but he's not massively unlikable. Oh, he can, he can, no, he can but, be, he can be super nasty. Yeah, super nasty. but then he kind of, that almost, you kind of read him in a context, so what does he mean to you? I mean, Initially, as I said, I don't... Well, yeah, okay. So, initially, uh, I started writing the character, you know, with this theory in mind. And also, I wanted the cat to be a really offensive person. As as I noticed that, like, the, the public speech that has been going on for a while now is very similar to to what the cat says. Because there are people who actually say stuff like this in the, in the media. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you can read it as a as a as a figure of of a certain speech that is being being going on in the world. And but later on, you know, you said that he's an he's a a, a pretty likable character. But it, it I it, mean, I should can, I should caveat when I say yeah. likable. Yeah, I'm, but he's he's almost a kind of he's a, almost almost a sort of parody. Yeah, he's interesting. yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, yeah it was very engaging. Later later on, it becomes clear that the. The cat is acting out because he's in pain himself too. You know, he doesn't get into the university, and yeah, then yeah. the protagonist gets into the university, and he, the cat is really jealous. And he's got his own insecurities. Yeah, and then he starts gaining a lot of weight, and he doesn't want to go out of the apartment anymore. So I guess he's just one of those people, you know, who, 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 for whom it's easier to, to act violently and oppress other people than to like confront the, the, the pain. Of like self pity and self hatred, which is kind of what you'd think with those kind of dialogues from a lot yeah, of people as well. Yeah. yeah, God, that's so clever. Yeah, because like you know, I, I haven't been haven't been reading it with that obviously in my mind, like looking for the kind of comparison with the media. So it's so like so well done. It's oh, really thank great. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. bossed it. Yeah. <laughs> so how about the snake? How about the snake? What's is that? What's the sort of sim- symbolism of that? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, like I said about the the link between animal characters and, yeah. and the nationality thing. So basically, the the protagonist gets the snake 
in the beginning because he relates to its position in in our world and in in cultures because snakes are pretty dislikes yeah, disliked yeah. animals in general yeah. and he gets the snake even though later on in the book it becomes clear that he's actually afraid of snakes and really like oidophobic person so but that's the reason he gets it because and then he like wants to to take care of it and understand its presence because what can a snake do that that a snake is born a snake like yeah. he is born an, Al- an Albanian and an immigrant in Finland so he has nothing to do with with his own background so the snake it represents a lot of lot of emotions and feelings he goes through like throughout his life and and you know later on there's a scene where he tries to put the snake on the terrarium and then the snake starts biting him because he doesn't want to stay in one place because it turns out that this is like like no other snake and he he wants the snake wants to like move around freely in the apartment and stuff like this so this is in relation to his position as an immigrant in in Finland where he's expected to stay in in one area and when he goes goes out of it then it's it comes as a as a shock to to other people and and you're expected to act in a certain way and just be cr- grateful that that you've you've gotten an education in Finland or 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 something like this yeah. you know because that what that that's what people kept saying to me when I was growing up that oh you're so lucky that you're here and and that you get to attend Finnish schools and stuff like this and I was like well yeah. It's, uh, I mean, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, this necessarily have been yeah, yeah. And what what like bugs me the the most about this thing is that uh, you know, people keep asking me about my my background and how was it like to be to grow up between two worlds and two cultures and two languages and how was it like to be like divided and torn apart or something like this? And I was like, uh, it's. My world wasn't torn apart or like divided or I didn't feel pressure in a, in any way my world was whole and beautiful the way it was but there there was the questions like this who like that like entailed a presumption that my world would be somehow drastically different from any other person's world that made me feel like I'm an outsider in Finland because as a child I I didn't go to bed thinking you know what's my relationship to my home country or the language i <laughs> yeah. i i i speak when i when i come home from school because it felt completely natural and i didn't have any experience of any other existence except for my own so so it feels weird when people ask me about like questions like this you know mm-hmm. because, do people go to sleep at night thinking what's my relationship to my to the place i was born Absolutely born in <laughs> i mean <laughs> No, yeah, and, and also, you know, people that are asking those questions that kind of perpetuates the kind of like the the sort of opinions that people would maybe have of the immigrant community. Like, yeah. is another layer of what you're saying. Yeah. in terms of yeah, it just adds to that. Mm. Well, the what I was going to ask you next actually is is more um, about the narrative um, between uh, your main character and his mother. So moving very very, <laughs> um, because that's that's a much more there they they we we watch their lives kind of running in parallel around the same age they're sort of around the same age and the experiences that that are both having you know we're sort of going back in time and and so not only do we have a dual narrative we've got a time hop as well um for for people who aspiring authors who are looking to write from two perspectives what advice would you give them 
I wouldn't take advice from me. <laughs> so, I don't know because when I write, I usually just when when a character like comes to my mind, I'm ju- I just like follow his or her voice, and I just close my eyes and and imagine how my world would look like if I was a an, an Albanian teenage boy or a or a or an Ukrainian tree that grows wings. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know? Is that your next yeah, book? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> that just came from somewhere. I'm just going to make an egg. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's what I do. I I try to imagine the, what's my position in my like in my family, in the society I'm grown in into and stuff like this. So and then when I do start writing, it's even though I have a plan, it I don't stick to the plan. Yeah. <laughs> it usually like goes goes completely somewhere else and then then uh yeah don't don't worry about throwing too many rules yeah i mean it's if if i had like a and i don't i never force myself to write fiction because i feel like like forcing myself only leads to to the kind of writing that doesn't last for very long and then i'm like i usually wait for the inspiration to hit and then i go on the basement or (laughs) something you know just write it and then 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 see what yeah see yeah. what happens with it and uh, it's uh well, if i if i would be a like a mechan- more mechanical writer it would be a lot easier than this because but then yeah right well, when when does like inspiration hit do you have kind of any like are you you know uh, quite a lot of our listeners like hearing about whether people like you know really regimented like get up at 6am write a thousand words like go and do this like what do you have any specific writing rituals or are you just kind of when the inspiration hits i just like like I turn off my phone and tell tell my friends and my family that that I'm writing now and I'm so lucky to be surrounded by people who understand th- this about me and they don't require my attendance in yeah. in 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 their social lives you know and then I I can just be on my own in my writing so if I would the reason I said that you shouldn't get advice from me because it's it's big because of this because because I don't know how to write uh every day and uh and um yeah so if i would know that i would be writing every single day and i would writing so much more and every time like i don't have any inspiration for like months i'm always afraid that i will never never get inspired by anything again so what's kind of become more kind of really apparent from speaking to loads of authors is that there's no prescribed there's no prescribed way to like be be this like inspired writer that does it. Everyone has something different, mm. and like that's kind of quite encouraging because you know you're just like as a writer that's kind of really trying. You're always thinking like, what can I do that means that yeah. like, I'm going to get into the pro- well, whose secrets can I borrow kind it, of thing? Uh-huh. And like we're like we get excited by hearing people's like tactics, but like it is I suppose about be- being a writer is about you know finding your way that works mm. and whatever that is 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 unique to you. Yeah, I suppose. yeah. so you can go for days without writing. Presumably. Yeah, and, and weeks not, and, not, and months. And not panic. No, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, people say that, some people say that you should write every single day to like man- maintain your tools and skills mm. and stuff like that. But I think it's, it's, uh, I don't believe in that really because, okay, this is a, an, an analogy from a really, from a distance now. But if you like get hurt while playing hockey and you can't play it for a month and you're really good at it, or if you play for a for a well-known team professionally, you will be you will be able to play 
to be proficient in hockey after the the break. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I feel like the same thing is is with writing. I don't think that I will lose, you know, that my touch or anything yeah. in in writing because what what do we do like I communicate with the world in in language and that's my tool and every time I open my mouth in in Finnish and in English and in, in any language it's it's maintaining my ability to yeah, <laughs> to speak yeah. and to communicate with others so I feel like I'm in constant dialogue with with my with the tools I'm I'm using so so that, language is always present and with reading for example yeah. you know there seems to be such a thing like if you're a writer you're only a writer as long as you're actually sitting there and writing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, you are, a, if you're a, you're a writer, whether mm. you're in the supermarket, on holiday, yeah. not writing for three months, you're still yeah. a writer. Yeah. It's like saying, you know, to an accountant, well, yeah. if you're on holiday, you, know, you might never be able to do it again. Yeah. It's, you know, exactly like <laughs> yeah. your analogy. And I think, yeah. you know, people, I think writing has this such a, mysterious kind of this mystique that it's it's so it's really difficult and it's so elusive and but you know you what if you're a writer then you can do it I guess yeah. you know and yeah. so whether you know and then it's just a question of the ideas and yeah. how do you how do you, do you kind of look around I mean obviously we've talked a lot about the inspiration for this book in terms of going forward where are you seeking inspiration uh this is another question I don't know how to answer because <laughs> I've if if I would know where to find inspiration, I would do that every single day. Yeah, you'd go, you'd go <laughs> would, to that one cafe yeah. and yeah, <laughs> let it pour yeah. in. So, so yeah, I mean, but when I'm inspired by something, I'm usually inspired by, by like everything around me, by movies, by people I see, by conversations I hear, by, by songs, by music, by theater, by plays, by, by, by like everything basically. So, so when it hits some, um, yeah, it's, and yeah. how long were you like? How long if you you were like right idea going down to the basement turning off my yeah. phone? How long will you write for in a stretch? It can last for like more than a month, right? But it's not like I'm not like n- never calling my mother during yeah. that month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Month, yeah. One yeah. Month. It's not like you yeah. go to the basement and then yeah. do not emerge yeah. again. And the, the basement <laughs> is just a metaphor for yeah. me, like sitting yeah. on the table. Yeah. Just to be clear, <laughs> I don't have a basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And you can't. laughs> so so yeah. That's yeah. great, though, that you can yeah. just sit down and kind of just be, like, focused, yeah. you know, for, for a month or so. Yeah. But you're also studying. Are you still yeah. studying comparative literature? Yeah. And did I read that you're studying film as well? Yeah, I have okay. a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I just actually turned in my master's thesis, like, oh, a wow, couple, of, couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm graduating now in... Uh, so Which was... Is that for the comparative literature? Yeah, oh, I'm doing an MA, so... Okay. Amazing. So, and what was, your, what was your dissertation on? Uh, I did a... Uh, a thesis on um, on animal symbols or, or animal characters in some selected short stories of Franz Kafka and Ernest Hemingway, mm-hmm. oh. and uh, I was using the, this animal, the, the field of study I mentioned, how animals are are usually interpreted as as figures of of us or our characteristics. Yeah. So I kind of approached the animal characters in these uh, in these works of fiction by by using information I had what is uh, what I want to say is that uh, I approached the animal characters trying to give them uh, uh, a unique uh, presence in the in the world of fiction they are they are put in and I try to approach them by using like studies they've made in biology you know and how animals act and and are in the nature so so how they communicate so I I basically tried to reinterpret these really famous 
stories yeah. by this through this with the help of this. I would yeah. like theory. to read this. this it's in a, Finnish. Is it, yeah, I was going to say, is it, is, is yeah. it in your hand? You will have to learn Finnish. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Because I've, I've, we read that you you were a big fan of Animal Farm as well. Yes. And yes. Was, was that in there too, or was that, or did you just go? Uh, I actually started with with a with a with a quote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Animal Farm. It has such a striking sentence. You know, you know the the sentence. You know when the two pig pigs. Uh, uh, who start the revolution? Yeah, the, the, yeah. Napoleon and Snowball, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who start off as allies, but then, starts, yeah. but, but then they apply these ten commandments of animalism in, 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 the, in the book, and and the most important one is that that all all animals are equal. But in the end, when they're they're like totalitarian society mm-hmm. and goes to, Some yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then when everything goes. To shit can yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when everything goes to shit so then they like like they disregard like every commandment except for this one and it gets an addition that goes like all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others yeah. like that's such a stunning analogy Isn't and a, a sentence from of the world we live in yeah. like today yeah it's, i was in a um i was actually in a uh, play of Animal Farm when I was at school. Who did you play? I played Snowball. Did you? Oh. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a mask and everything. Wow. <laughs> did yeah. you really need one? <laughs> How was well, that like? That <laughs> Thank you, Mimi. Oh, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, it was. It was. It was good. I mean, you know, it was like a school production of Animal Farm. I think the nuances were kind of lost on us a little bit. Yeah. But. Yeah, but it's but even just kind of being in that atmosphere where people are very uh, there's really strong sentiment and people are actually you know yelling at you and like you do you know it's well I don't I'm not sure I have like much of an idea of what it was like being like Trotsky is Russia exactly but um but I'm getting there so it's it's interesting though that you've used what you've like the the sort of what you've been studying for your masters in the book and that kind of thing as well Um, um in terms of film. What, what's the kind of what are you direct are you learning to direct or I'm in, in screenwriting oh, but it's okay. it's fairly recent thing so I haven't had time to like really get into it get into it yet but it's I'm been quite planning. busy haven't you I've really? been yeah but <laughs> well you were wasted I'm planning. in that supermarket yeah I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so um, just really briefly I know we know you've written a second book yes and and is that is that one just out in Finland or is that gonna, is that out it's, here yeah it's not out here but it's coming out here okay. but the the publishers in the English speaking world are in the US and here uh, are still like thinking about the when's the when, be. when it's gonna be mm-hmm. next year or the year after that because this just came out yeah yeah and, of course but it came out in like a, three years ago in Finland and I so feel like yeah, I feel yeah. like, am I still talking about yep. this this book? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it feels like because I've written a second book, and this feels so old to me in a way, and yeah, it doesn't feel current anymore to me. I feel like I've surpassed the book, and then like emotionally yeah. gone somewhere else, and then then yeah, as I said in the beginning, when I I I, I don't like looking at my my books when they are finished, yeah. and uh, yeah, so. I it's think like it seems very you, you can relate to this. Like it's, it's like reading an old essay. Yeah. Oh god! I mean, any, anything yeah. I wrote more yeah. than about five minutes ago. It's I like, like this is mortifying. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to ask you to read. Um, yes. um, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank so you. The Riff Raff podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. Come say hey at the-riffraff.com. Thank you.